Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. was very enjoyable. Uh, went out to, saw the new Top Gun, Top Gun you Maverick did. with my okay. husband. I won't spoil it for you because I know you haven't seen it. I saw that on Friday. We went out to dinner with a couple of our staff members on Friday night to Cooper's Hawk, a restaurant you and Carrie like quite a bit. Yes, yep, very good place. Much so. And then I uh, st- stumbled upon a little graduation party on Saturday at the Fromm's house. Yes, you did. And I, uh, I do want to talk about that because uh, this was a weekend of celebrating in in my for my family. Yeah, you guys had a lot of celebrations, well, didn't you? Friday night we went to a wedding. I've been to a wedding in forever, and uh, here's the deal: like our whole family went, and yeah. we were like dancing, we were doing all the stuff. I was. I, I don't do 11.45 very well anymore. <laughs> no, I mean, I haven't seen 11.45 in years, probably, honestly. I, I was just like, oh, I'm so tired. But but it was a blast. It was our, our, our youth pastor at our church got married, and it was a beautiful night at Donata Farms. So, oh, I love stuff. it there. It's so lovely. And so that was already, I'm tired. And then all day Saturday, we're getting ready. And it was a, the big graduation party yeah. for my daughter. Of course, yeah. it starts like spitting, raining. But it was awesome. All of her friends come through. My mm. wife just killed it. Your and wife is a great up. hostess, by I the way. Am, I am on my deck, and I look <laughs> up, and who do I see? But I see Aubrey Sampson, and I see uh, your son. Eli, and, yep. Uh, it was wonderful. Thanks for coming. Yeah, it was so fun. And you're, you, it was a lovely party. Your wife did a fantastic job. And what I think some people know this, but your daughter, Madeline, who graduated... Uh, tutored Eli in math and really, really saved him in math. And so it was fun to get to have him come and celebrate. Yeah. And uh, we, we, yeah, we had fun celebrating. It was fun to see you in your real life, too, because I always see you in the studio. So this was like a whole new version of Brian. I got to peel behind the real life, Brian. Behind okay. the veil. Uh, and so one of the cool things was um, just being able to celebrate. Yeah. And I, I want to talk about that for a second, mm. the idea of celebrating, because it, it was Friday was celebrating yeah. and then uh, at the wedding and then celebrating the graduation. My son tomorrow night, he is going to have, I, I don't think we call it graduation. It is his eighth grade promotion. Nice. So that's tomorrow. So Very there feels cool. like there's been lots of things yeah. in the Fromm household and while celebrating can be somewhat tiring, it struck me, especially at Madeline's party on Saturday, to have all these different people there, to have you know different walks of life, family, friends, uh, her friends. Obviously, it was primarily Madeline's friends. 
And it got me thinking, like, I don't know that we do enough celebrating. Mm, like, I yeah. live my life this way. We're just going to dump into the deep end Let's of the pool. Let's do it. Start, Let's right? do it. I feel like I live my life constantly looking forward. Yeah. Hey, that was great. What's next? That's mm. great. What's next? And it would be easy in that moment to be like, hey, Madeline, congratulations on graduating mm-hmm. high school. Let's start planning for college. Yeah, then you move on to the next thing. Let's right. go start. And we're doing those things, right? We're doing those things. But there was something really fun about slowing down and yeah. like throwing a big party. Yeah. I don't know. Is it just me who doesn't do that well? Or do we as a culture mm. not celebrate really well and remember yeah. and reflect yeah. and party and celebrate? I feel like we don't do that well. So it's interesting you say that because on Friday night, I told you we took some staff members out to um, – to dinner and part of it was we were celebrating something and I remember thinking and even having a conversation with Kevin about it do we really need to go out tonight can we change mm-hmm. can we you know and this was not that night this was maybe a few weeks ago is it important is it really important do we need-? he's like absolutely we need to celebrate this milestone this couple's been at our church on staff since the very beginning like wow. we need to celebrate this milestone with them and it was so enjoyable to just like pause and mark that. And mm-hmm. so I, I feel like that speaks to what you're saying. I am not very good. I love going out for anniversaries. I love going out for birthdays. I'm not very good at like, let's mark all of these different seasons and celebrate them just because I don't know, they deserve celebrating and we should, we should pause right. and, and give weight to them and honor. I don't know what God has done and what we've accomplished and I, I think in some ways we do this while well. we go out to eat when there's been a special thing that's happened. But to do it very intentionally does bring a lot of joy. Like, I mean, it was even fun for us just to pop by and see the yeah. way you were celebrating your daughter. Yeah, and so it's yeah. joy for you, but it's joy for neighbors as well. That's right. You got to meet. You've met Madeline, obviously, but you got to meet my other two kids. Oh, I, I never love met your, your family. Son. Yeah. Uh, and so it was a lot of fun. This idea of partying and memory Mm -hmm. remembering and marking it's super biblical yeah like if you look through the old testament it is what are they doing at all of their festivals at their right uh, you know think about what passover is god is constantly Mm -hmm. telling the people of israel remember what i've done for right mark this moment right reflect upon that and that's so true. And so I do think it is a deficiency of ours in the church, as a culture. Mm. Uh, we, we constantly are looking forward to mm-hmm. what's next. What's and next, we, what's we next. We never can just sit, like as a church, right? We never yeah. sit. I'll speak for myself. I rarely sit and reflect upon the good things God is doing. Yeah. I reflect upon, I instead try to plan for the good things I want God to do. <laughs> so true. So it's like, not what has he done over the past yeah. six months, but where are we going for the right, next six right. months? What are we going to do? And it does strike me, I've preached this sermon a couple times, that, you know, there are moments in the Old Testament especially where you see God saying, and now you're going to stop, mm-hmm. and for the rest of time, mm-hmm. you are going to mark Passover, the time mm-hmm. that I do this, or you're going to mark this. This feast, this festival. This, yes, yeah. and it's constantly about celebrating yeah. God's goodness and his remembrance. And that it's in the regular church calendar. Yeah. I think that's a really important piece because if we don't, if if we don't like intentionally mark it yeah. and then just do it consistently, it really doesn't become part of the rhythm of our year or our church culture or our own our own like internal rhythms. And so I think there obviously I think there's wisdom because it's from God, but the wisdom 
to have these consistent seasons of celebration. I wonder what, I don't really have ideas, but I wonder what that might look like to sort of quote unquote calendarize that as a church at the start of every summer or at the, you know, beginning of fall or whatever it is, we're going to have this time of celebrating all that God has done, you know, around New Year's celebrate what God has done intentionally as a church. Um, Kind of interesting to think about. And it also struck me this weekend, because obviously you're going to celebrate big things like a graduation. Yeah, of course. Right? You're going to celebrate these things. But what if we as parents got really good at celebrating the smaller things Mm. in our kids? Like, what would that do to our kids? Like uh, confidence. Confidence and self-esteem if you were like, hey, you Mm -hmm. got, you worked really hard at this class. You got this. Yeah. And you're not rewarding them like, let me give you money. but like. Why don't we go out and celebrate? Or why yeah. don't we stay home tonight, but we're going to just Like have a pizza night and play you. games yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I do, love that. It struck me that I don't do that well. And so this weekend, having a wedding, yeah, uh, you know, that's something that we celebrate. Yeah. And you dance and you eat mm-hmm. and you laugh. Uh, also, this weekend reminded me of, of the value of just laughter. Oh, it's like, so healthy. I like totally forget how important that is until it yeah, happens. Yeah. Yeah. There was just laughter mm. at the wedding on Friday. And then there was just with my kids, there was yeah. laughter at this party. And like you said, it's fun. It's a coming together mm-hmm. of different worlds. Um, but just to like, yeah, just to enjoy something. I, I would say too, especially after, you know, I know I kind of pose everything like, especially after COVID, but that's still how I feel right now, especially after the past few years. To have, yeah, to get together with people and just laugh and have fun feels like breath. Like, yeah. that would be, like, such a breath of fresh air. Yep. Um, you've helped me think through something because I'm taking my son to a wedding this week. I'll be gone a couple days. I'll be back on Friday. But um, to be able to, uh, you know, pray that God gives us times of laughter mm-hmm. and just celebration. I mean, I know it'll be fun, but, like. Let's have extra laughter yep. and fun. I think it would be really, really special. While you're paying $10,000 for Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, all right, Aubrey, today is a big day, uh, historically speaking, yes, it for is. our nation. Today is the 78-year anniversary of the inv- of the uh, of D-Day. Yeah. Okay? The monumental moment in World War II that... We say a lot of things change the world, Aubrey. Mm-hmm. That day, 78 years ago, literally changed the world. Right. The world was at a crossroads. And I watched a thing on the Today Show. They did a thing. Now there are very few men still alive. That's what I was wondering if we have any D-Day all in their vets 90s. alive. Okay, they're sure. They're all in their 90s. They would so, have to be. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, does you know they brought a dozen or so, several dozen D-Day veterans Aww. back over to Normandy? But you're right, we are years away from. I wonder no what war. it's like for them to be in Normandy. Well, that's what it was. Mm. They were like, uh, it's it's strange. It's yeah. this. It's that. Mm. Uh, and it was mm. it, every time I watch any retrospective about D-Day. You want to know what my first thought is. I don't know that I could have done it. And I know when you're in yeah. the battle, you do what you have to right, do. Right, right. Just watching footage of it terrifies me. So I haven't seen footage of it, but I've seen movies, you know, recreating it. And it does seem like it was a grind, like horrific. And I know, like, a lot of lives were lost, but just it seems like that long, slow slog like it just seems so painful they must have had great resilience courage vision and also and i probably adrenaline right and 
like you're saying, in some senses, you just have to do what you have to do in that moment. It's just unbelievable to read the statistics. On D-Day, Allied troops landed on the beaches, codenamed Omaha, Utah, Juno, Sword, and Gold, carried by 7,000 boats. Mm. On that single day, 4,414 Allied soldiers lost their lives, of which uh, 2,501 of those soldiers were Americans. Mm. More than 5,000 were wounded. And you just watch it and you start to realize, like, they are the age of, like, my daughter. Or what that's your oldest so son wild. is becoming. No, no, no. That's so wild. There was a guy that they interviewed. A re, you know, obviously he's really old now. There was yeah. a guy that they interviewed on the Today Show today. Yeah. Aubrey, listen to this story of heroism. He falsified his birth certificate <gasps> so that he could fight in the war. Mm. He joined the war mm. at the age of 15. So have I told you this? Kevin's grandpa did that. He I, said that he was over 18 and he was 15 years old and he went to war. I mean, that is unbelievable. I, I like. I don't know how to get my mind around yeah. that. Like yeah. when we call that the greatest generation. Yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of truth to that, isn't there? It is. Um, it is crazy. Mm-hmm. Like to think about what they did. Yeah. Um, is just amazing, and it changed the world. Like, again, I say it all the time. We we talk in churches way too often of changing the world. Yeah. Uh, but we didn't. Now you and I just talked about reflection, right? How do now, 78 years Mm -hmm. later, that generation, the greatest generation, Mm -hmm. is by and large almost completely done. You know, they're dying off. Right. Uh, What should impact should it have on us as Mm. we're reflecting on something so heroic and monumental as D-Day? I think something that comes to mind for me is, well, a couple of things, but one is what and maybe it's idealism, but it seems like there was a sense of unity, like us against evil. And um, when yeah. you contrast that with some of the disunity we're seeing right now, where like we can't even agree on us, we can't even agree on evil. I, I feel like that's something to be learned. Yeah. Like that that unity, that... Um, yeah, like uh, that courage, that bravery, that sense of like we're all for the quote unquote common good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think also it goes back to like we because this generation is slowly about to be gone. Like it it does seem like it's on us to learn and yes. share as many stories as yes. we can before this the before this history and these narratives are gone forever yeah. because they are so important to our history and to understanding where we are, why we are, why generations are the way they are and and also, I would say, just to honor the courage and the bravery of these men and women. Yes, yes. So 78 years later, uh, Franklin Delano, Delano Roosevelt, FDR, uh, he gave a powerful prayer on that night. And it is being used. There's a new prayer memorial being built with all of the words from his oh, prayer. Oh, wow, cool. And I thought it would be uh, powerful to read mm, it to you. Great idea. Of what he prayed on June the 6th, 1944. Uh, FDR prayed this, Almighty God. Our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. Hmm. Uh, he, he resolutely prayed that on the radio that was being broadcast wow. nationally. Wow. 
And I, I think you are right. I think it's incumbent upon us at times of like D-Day, mm-hmm. 9-11, mm-hmm. Uh, Pearl Harbor Day, yeah, uh, maybe the 4th of July, mm-hmm. whatever else it might be, that we who love this nation that we get to live in and the freedoms of it, yeah. To not just reflect upon what we've been given, but to pass it down. Yeah, that's And it good. really ties to what we just talked about, about remembering, yeah, it right? Does. Like, it absolutely does. We can't let things like D-Day just become part of the history books. This mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, it's, it's, our, it's our grandparents' generation. It is, right. That, like you said, did heroic things like falsifying their... I would have been falsifying it so I didn't have didn't to have go to, to go. war. Right, right, right. But they said, and you did hear about stuff like that mm-hmm. at 9-11 and at other times, mm-hmm. people doing that so that they could be part uh, of it. I, I just think we need to pause today, uh, hear those words of President Roosevelt, and just reflect upon what these, what actually was accomplished yeah. 78 and years And tell ago our today. kids, too. Yes. Like, I, I'm even sitting here as we're talking. I'm like, do my kids know the story of D-Day? Like, I'm wondering if... In even their history lessons, do they? And so just to, yeah, for us to pass it down to the next generation as a way to honor the generation above us, I think seems so crucial and important. Absolutely. Uh, We are in Pride Month, and you and I talked about Pride Month and how do we as Christians, I think we talked last week, how do we as Christians um, kind of approach it? Right. What's our posture and uh, that came to the forefront with a baseball team this weekend. So let me tell you about it. It's about the Tampa Bay Rays. Okay. Uh, and like a lot of teams, uh, they were having rainbow-colored logos. So they normally have their the – it just says Rays in blue. Yeah. Tampa Bay – TB on their hat okay. in white. Like a normal, you know, what yeah. you'd expect. Well, for Pride Night on Saturday, uh, the uniforms – the the um, the TB on the hat and I believe the rays was going to be rainbow colored. Oh wow! Okay, okay. to go along with Pride Night. Yeah. Uh, and some of the players on the Tampa Rays uh, were uncomfortable with this, okay. and they talked about it. Some of them uh, they said that they refused to wear the gray, gay pride logo on their uniform, saying it was quote a faith based decision. Mm. One of them. Uh, His last name is Adam. What's his first name? Jason Adam said this. Okay. He said they did a lot of it comes. They they did a lot of talking. This group of five. Okay. A lot of it comes down to faith. He said it's a hard decision. Yeah. Because ultimately we all said what we want is them to know that all are welcome and all loved here. Mm -hmm. But when we put it on our bodies, I think a lot of guys decided that it's just a lifestyle that maybe not that they look down on anybody or think differently. It's just that maybe. We don't want to encourage it if we believe in Jesus, who's encouraged us to live a lifestyle that would abstain from that behavior, just like Jesus encourages me as a heterosexual male to abstain from sex outside the confines of marriage. It's no different. It's not judgmental. It's not looking down. It's just what we believe the lifestyle he's encouraged us to live for our good, not to withhold. But again, we love these men and women. We care Mm. about them and we want them to feel safe and welcomed here. I'll give you a guess about how that went over. Oh, I'm guessing it did not go over well by critics, for sure. By most people. So yeah. they were not forced to wear them. So if you watched the Tampa, Ra- uh, Tampa Rays game the other night, yeah. the majority of the team were wearing the Pride logos, okay. the rainbow, but these guys were not. So that, that was noticeable then, that they weren't. So Kevin Kiermeyer, who's an outfielder for the Rays, who did wear the patch, said he wanted to foster a culture of inclusivity 
at this team stadium. Yeah. Here's what he said. Kevin Kiermeyer said, my parents taught me to love everyone as they are. Go live your life. Whatever your preferences are, go be you. I can't speak for everyone who's in here, obviously, but this is a family-friendly environment here at a big league ball field. We just want everyone to feel welcomed and included and cheer us on, hmm. no matter what your views on anything are. Hmm. They also, in this article, quote Jack Flaherty from the uh, – he's a pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals who said it's, quote, an absolute joke and kind of ripped these guys. Oh, wow. Okay. I saw a lot of people on Twitter just killing these like guys. Like railing them. Yes. Mm. So this highlights a lot of things for yeah, us. Yeah, it does. Already, but it does highlight – these guys are, are claiming uh, the name of Jesus, right? They're yep. claiming Christ followership, yep. and they're saying we're just not comfortable, mm. and that that is not okay yeah. with a lot of people in our culture for yeah. them to have said and have done. Right. How do you process this? You said off air, as you and I were talking about, this is really complicated. Oh, man. So I have some problems by what Kevin Kiermeyer said yeah. because I think it highlights the problem, but I would love to, yeah. before I tell you what I thought about that, I'd love to hear just kind of your thoughts. Oh, man. I, I do think it's it's really painful because I actually quite understand the tension between wanting LGBTQ people to feel loved, welcomed, accepted, belonging, etc. And also knowing my my Christian ethic of marriage and sexuality is not is not the same as that. Mm-hmm. And and I I want God's word to be the highest authority in my life. And so I could understand how you're on a team like that and you're put in a position like that, how complicated that decision would be. Mm-hmm. And yet I I have to say, I actually admire these guys for choosing to stand up for what they felt like was the right thing in that moment, putting themselves, they knew they're going to put themselves in the, they knew in the fiery furnace, in a sense, for doing something like that. But I also can say, man, I mean, this is, this is going to be a harder and harder line to walk, conversation to have, however you want to call it, uh, as time goes on, mm. you know, and I think that's what is that's I, I just I feel like I don't have a lot of great answers. I just feel like the hard part is and maybe this isn't fair. You correct me if I'm wrong. OK, the thing about inclusivity is it does have to be inclusive of everybody. Mm-hmm. And so that means if there are whether they're Christians or Muslims or some other point of view that is not open and affirming, um. They have to be inclusive of that, too, mm. I think. I, Maybe I'm off base there. So, but so, like, if you were to say, oh, it's Christian night at the game, everybody has to wear a cross and, like, Jesus on their hat, my guess is a lot of people are not going to go for right, that either. Right. So is that truly inclusivity? Uh, I think you. I would agree with you. Yeah. Where this goes off the rails is now this is seen as bigotry. Right. And we don't – I'm right. speaking for culture, not yeah. my own views. Yeah. Culture doesn't want to include be inclusive of bigotry. Yeah. And that's yeah. where things have changed. Like I mm. Kevin Kiermeyer, I don't even necessarily disagree with what he said that we want this to be a family friendly environment here at a big league ballpark. Yeah. We want everyone to feel welcomed and included mm-hmm. to cheer us on no matter mm-hmm. what your views are. Why does that have to include wearing? Yeah. It's a different yeah. thing to have to wear something. It would be like if they said yeah. to come into the stadium, you have to wear this ribbon. Mm-hmm. Well, what if I don't want to wear this ribbon? Right. What if I don't? Right. That's not very inclusive. So let's broaden this beyond what mm. they did. How do we as Christians and churches, how are we going to navigate this? Because you made a very, uh, what might be obvious but important point. This is only going to become yeah. increasingly attention. Yeah. When somebody at your church says, mm-hmm. can we have a rainbow flag up mm-hmm. when somebody um, 
at your school, at your kid's school, mm-hmm. says, here's what you have to read or yeah. what I want you to write yeah. about or what you need to believe. I, I guess I, I don't have a great answer for this. So I'm putting you on the spot before I put Thanks, myself Brian. on the spot. How do we even begin to process this? So not what's the right mm-hmm. answer. No flag or flag. No, mm-hmm. But how do we – we want to be good neighbors. Yeah. But we also don't want to necessarily um, endorse what we don't believe in. Yeah. So what do we do? Yeah, I, I, I think a couple things come to mind. One, I mean, I still feel like we have to be okay having boundaries around sexuality that – are biblical and we it is okay I mean, like we have to know as christians that is not going to be looked on favorably by the world but that doesn't mean that we change our views to match the world like we believe as christians that god's word is authoritative and so um i think it's just we're going to have to get a little bit resilient about mm. n- people are not going to be okay with this or agree with it that doesn't mean we change i want to hold that if it's even possible, Brian, in the best tension of, and really the church has done horrible Mm. by the LGBTQ community. We've not even let them know that they're welcome in our spaces of worship and in our buildings and in our small groups. And so how in the world do we let people know that they're welcome and loved at the same time that we hold the values that we have? And I... I think I don't I don't know is what I'm trying to say, but somehow both have to be true. And then this is a bad metaphor, but like the chips are going to fall where they may. Like Mm -hmm. in some in some ways, we cannot control the outcome of that. We can control our obedience to God's word. We can control the way we love our neighbors in a way that we haven't. Yeah, you make a really important point there that if if our primary goal is to be accepted and Mm -hmm. if our primary goal is as Christians is to still fit in and still be embraced at all times. Like we're not trying to be adversarial. Absolutely not. But I think we also need to be very honest Mm -hmm. that the tide of culture Mm -hmm. is not going towards us. It's going away. I actually said that to somebody who left our church one time and they basically were trying to say something about us. And I said, you need to understand that we we didn't move from issue X. Right. You did. Right. And that's fine. Yeah. But I didn't move. The church didn't move away from you. Yeah. You moved away from the church. And I think that was an individual thing there. But I think we have to recognize that. That's interesting. Culturally, Mm -hmm. that we might become more, we might look stranger. Totally. And have to take the arrows of bigot. Yeah. And this and that. Yeah. And and just, I think, speak love. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Meet hatred with love. Yeah. Meet, uh, meet, you know, verbal uh, barbs with yeah. compassion yeah. and sympathy. I think that's going to be difficult, though. Mm-hmm. It it really is. And so you're seeing it on the baseball field. You're going to see it in churches. You're yep. going to definitely see this in schools. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this issue is not going away. Absolutely, it's going to ramp up. Yeah. Um, Brian, you and I have talked about on the show quite a bit. We're both pastors. We are, but we're both. Of like low church traditions, uh, being church planters in the non-denominational I mean, I, world. I think 
So we're non-denominational church planters. I'm in a warehouse and you're in a community center. Yeah. I think our high church friends would say you are like the lowest We're like church. the lowest of the low, the lowest of the low church. It so, really is true. So we, I don't know if you do, but as far as like the preaching calendar, we don't follow the church sun calendar. No. Do no. you? No. Okay. Did you know that yesterday was Pentecost Sunday? No. <laughs> okay. So neither did I. I got up to preach, didn't preach on Pentecost. And afterwards, our worship pastor said, hey, just in case you were wondering, we are low church. So that's why Aubrey didn't mention Pentecost, but it is Pentecost Sunday. And I was like, oh, like I felt you like, said oh, we're low right. church. <laughs> yeah, like we are low church, though. But so um, Pentecost Sunday, I'll educate you, Brian, uh, is really the celebration of 50 days after Jesus's resurrection, when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. Yes. And the church around the world, besides me and you, apparently, <laughs> celebrates Pentecost Sunday. Usually, you we know. We celebrate Pentecost. We do. We celebrate Pentecost all the time. Yes. Right? Um, so I was doing a little bit of, of research about Pentecost Sunday. Here are five remarkable things to know about it. Okay. And Pentecost we read about happened in Act 2. Acts, Acts 2, pardon in me. Act two. In Act 2. <laughs> Act 2 of what God was doing. Acts you, 2. Before you told us you were in theater in college. So Act 2 is Act Pentecost. Two is Pentecost. So Pentecost celebrates the uh, provision of God. Um, apparently, uh, Pentecost is the Greek name, meaning the 50th day after Easter, like I said, but, um, it's the Greek name for an ancient Jewish festival, which stands for first fruits. And so this time of year in the event is roughly equivalent to an early wheat harvest that still occurs today in Israel. And apparently this would, you know, I I guess I'm connecting this the first fruits the first time the holy spirit like breathed on his people and and showed up so that's uh the provision that god provided Two pentecost sunday fulfills the ancient prophecies of scripture this was uttered through the prophet joel in the last days it shall be god declares i will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they will prophesy. That's what we saw happen in Acts 2. Three, Pentecost fulfills the promises of Jesus. Jesus saying that um, John baptized with water, but we will be baptized with the Holy Spirit from now on. And then, of course, Jesus talked about how he was leaving, but the Holy Spirit would come and bring them power And then Pentecost Sunday is the supernatural inauguration of the worldwide mission of God in the world. That's a pretty Mm. big thing to celebrate. Um, Somebody else said, I thought this was really interesting, Pentecost marks the reversal of the curse of Babel. I've heard that. Yeah. That's that's actually a fascinating thing. I think that's interesting. You want to unpack that for the people? Yeah, well, it centers around what happened at the Tower of Babel, right? They were... Uh, they were separated by language. Mm-hmm. They were separate. They couldn't understand each other anymore. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's a whole lot more to that story. But we know that portion of it. Well, what happens at Pentecost? The Holy Spirit comes, these tongues of fire come, and people who are speaking different languages can now understand each other. It's yeah. like this reverse uh, that has happened. I find that to be fascinating when you, people are taking yeah. what happened there in the Old Testament and connecting yeah, it there. I think so, too. God's presence there at the time. It's, it, I find that to be really yeah, fascinating. Yeah, I think that part's so interesting. Okay, so, of course, the Vatican celebrated Pentecost yesterday because that would be high church, the highest church, right? Mm-hmm. And Pope Francis uh, pointed out that this our spiritual life, our call to love Jesus, 
is not only a matter of keeping our fidelity and our devotion. He said, without love as our basis, the rest is in vain. And that love comes not so much from our abilities, but as his gift through the Holy Spirit. The Mm. spirit of love pours love into our hearts. He makes us feel loved and teaches us how to love. Uh, The Pope called the Holy Spirit the motor of our spiritual, spiritual lives. Also went on to say that the Holy Spirit is the memory of God, the one who brings to our minds all that Jesus has said, constantly rekindling the love of God in our hearts. He noted the experience of the Holy Spirit's presence in the forgiveness of our sins, Mm -hmm. in moments when we're filled with peace, in his freedom, and in his consolation. He also said that the Holy Spirit reminds us that we are sons or daughters of God. Romans 8 talks about that. Um, So, Brian, you know, you and I were both kind of joking, obviously, but... Do you feel like as you're preaching to people as a pastor, mm-hmm. do you focus on the Holy Spirit or do you tend to focus more on Jesus? Do you try to stick with the Trinity as much as you can? Like, where do you think you kind of That's land interesting. That's interesting. as a low church leader? You would like to think that you are very Trinitarian in your, disca- in, in your preaching right, or right. in your worship. Uh, so I fully embrace the Holy Spirit, right? We mm-hmm. fully sp- speak about the Holy Spirit. But my guess is if you listen to my preaching, you're going to hear a lot, lot more about Jesus. Jesus, I yeah. I think so. Yeah. Uh, than even God the Father, but mm-hmm. certainly the Holy Spirit. It's why those books came out, right? Francis Chan called the Holy that Spirit Forgotten God, such right? Such a good book, yep. And wh- who is the Holy Spirit? What is the Holy Spirit? Because like you said, uh, we believe in the Trinity, yeah. right? And uh, the Holy Spirit is not a lesser character. In fact, Jesus said, you need me to go away so that mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit could come and do amazing things. That's then you saying see, something. Yep. You see at Pentecost what happens and Peter gets up and people are like, I think he's drunk. He's yeah. like, no, it's only nine in the morning. And, right. <laughs> you know, the Holy Spirit has come and he preaches and thousands come to faith. Amazing. Uh, like even like you and I joke about being low church or whatever else. Yeah. It doesn't mean that we don't. Yeah. Acknowledge what happened there in in Acts at Pentecost and that it was it changed the course of the world and that we still have that same Holy Spirit working in and through us to transform lives, to transform the community, transform the world. That's right. Uh, And so, yes, we want to be thankful and, and still believe in the transformative work of the Holy Spirit. Now, did you grow up in a church uh, setting that called the Holy Spirit Holy Ghost ever? I don't think so. Yeah. Now, we sung enough songs that had Holy Ghost uh-huh. in it that maybe, but I don't remember that. Did you? That feels Southern. That feels yeah, like something yes, you would have I done. Yes, I did because it it was very Southern. I think I was baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Okay. And so at some point, scary. Holy Ghost, yeah, scary, right? Holy Ghost kind of switched to Holy Spirit. I was actually reading over at Christianity Today this uh, article about that sort of Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost. Some of the translation decisions in that. Listen to this, Brian. Since 1885, the year of the first major revision of the King James Version, Mm. all major English Bible translations have used the term Holy Spirit, okay, since 1885. And yet, the older Holy Ghost has maintained enormous staying power. Practical reasons include the continued use of the original King James and the use of Holy Ghost in non-biblical tests, such as the doxology. That's Mm -hmm. a song where you would sing, Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But it also reveals the stubbornness of language and language speakers. Um, It says here that ghost comes from the Old English ghast, which originally meant breath or good or bad spirit. And spirit comes from the Latin spiritus, which means breath or supernatural, immaterial creature. 
So why did the 19th century revisers of the KJV change ghost to spirit when they used to mean essentially the same thing? In the revisers' opinion, ghost had transitioned to refer too strongly to the spirit of a dead person. And perhaps in response to the popularity of Victorian mediums and seances, thus running the risk of implying that the Holy Spirit was the haunting ghost of the deceased dead. That's an important clarification. Ghosts are scary. Yeah, ghosts are scary. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit should not be scary to us. And like you said, I do think, you know, there is some thought there that ghosts are tied to dead and we don't want to give that picture. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think ghosts are scary. I, I, I think I think that's why we use the term Holy Spirit. We change it to spirit. But it is a it is a reminder of people that stick to the King James, stick to old school. That's why it's stuck around. Yeah. Okay. One one more thing from the Pope, and then we'll wrap up our conversation about Pentecost Sunday. He said the Holy Spirit will never tell you on your journey that everything is going just fine. No, the Holy Spirit corrects you, makes you weep for your sins, pushes you to change. Fight against your lies and deceptions, even when that calls for hard work, interior struggle, and sacrifices. He says uh, the evil spirit pushes you to always do what you think and find pleasing. He makes you think you have the right to use your freedom any way you want. But the Holy Spirit also never leaves you lying on the ground, takes you by the hand, comforts you, and constantly encourages you. So we all have access as followers of Jesus to the kind of comfort we can find from the Holy Spirit. It's a good word for all of us. Brian, what are the stories? Well, let me just step back and say this. We have covered a lot of these sexual abuse in the church stories. That's right. So I think my first week here, we were talking about Ravi Zacharias. And of course, the last couple of weeks has been the SBC uh, sexual abuse stories that have come out with the guidepost report. Lots and lots of these devastating yes. stories. And one of the ones that you and I talked about if it was a week ago or two weeks ago it's about a week week okay out of a church in indiana and there's some follow-up to what happened that i want to talk about but brian do you remember enough of the story that you can kind of recap our listeners i do because it ended up very mainstream people usa today we read it from there they picked it up right i was somewhere with some people and someone was like hey did you see this story like oh okay Mm -hmm. so people were hearing about it it's a pastor by the name of john lowe He's been the pastor for many years at uh, New Life Christian Church and World Outreach in Warsaw, Indiana. And it's he got up at the end of the service and said, I have a confession to make. And uh, he's been there for years and years and years. Yeah. And so people were like, what's going on? Uh, and he basically said he was going to need to step down for a little while because he had to confess that 20 years earlier he had committed adultery. Sadly, these types of things happen in churches, yeah. right? So yeah. people, they kind of, they were very... Um, sympathetic yes they were sympathetic to him and, and very to supportive wife, of him obviously who's also on staff at yeah. the church yeah and then it all turned dramatic mm-hmm. because coming to the stage was a woman by the name of bobby gephardt and her husband nate remember i asked you the question why were they there yes they had actually been alleded to yes. people that this was happening so they ran down to the church yeah they so this there. this is some of the follow-up we didn't know beforehand is they had heard this was going to happen so that's they right. decided to that's show right. up yeah so she got up she was the person who he quote unquote committed adultery with mm-hmm. i put it in quotes because it's not adultery it's right. abuse right. and uh statutory rape right uh she got up and said it was 27 years she said not 20 uh since that you quote, took my virginity on your office floor Mm. and that she has lived in a prison of lies and shame. Mm. Uh, For years, I thought I was a horrible person having suicidal thoughts, all of this. And it now has come out that he basically groomed her. 
and yeah. uh, and just abused her yeah. over time. Yeah. And that now only through extensive counseling and meeting her husband, she is now married, that um, uh, that she has begun to move on. And so she now went, then came back yeah. for the service and confronted him. And it is, I couldn't watch it. It's just too much. Yeah. As the, the pastor's standing there That's as awful. she's talking. Yeah. And so after this, um, the pastor will no longer, he's been relieved of his duties, yep. if you will. But also something you and I talked about is people did show her support as she was leaving, but mm-hmm. then they also got up and prayed for the pastor. Yeah, they showed him a lot of support. And, you know, I think the vast majority of me thinks that was inappropriate, but mm-hmm. there's part of me that's like, okay, we're as, past, as people are called mm-hmm. to pray. Yep. And so, you know, and they still love this man and yeah. whatever else. And. Uh, and so that's the story, and I'm excited, I'm interested to hear about, like you said, a little yeah. bit of Yeah, well, the headline over at religionnews.com is Woman Buoyed by Support After Viral Pastor Confrontation. So that kind of caught my eye, because I that was like, oh, I wonder if this is that story we had we had covered. And essentially, they do talk about how uh, she and her husband had not planned to go to the service, but then found out that the pastor was going to make this confession. They changed their mind decided they could not trust the pastor to tell the whole truth, and so went. And the husband, I guess, shared this video. Somebody shared the video. I shouldn't say it's the husband for sure. Somebody shared the video. Nearly a million viewers have witnessed what happened. That was on May 22nd. And um, it is incredible to me because the husband said, look, if you love us, please let us talk. And he clarified some of the things, uh, and his wife, as you said, clarified some of the things. Look, I was 16. It was not an affair. It was something totally different. But what's been interesting is now she says that, um, one, she wanted the church family to know the truth, and she did not realize she would receive such overwhelming support. Mm. Her quote is, I didn't realize how much this is helping and will help people not just in air, not just in this area but all of the world all over the world people are reaching out to me their stories are so heartbreaking so i imagine she's hearing stories of abuse like this like you said the man uh, low resigned as a pastor in a church statement on may 23rd apparently no one on staff had known what had happened um apparently they're doing some restructuring holding meetings with members etc here's the part that is a little shocking to me brian Bobby Gebhardt, so this is the victim, she spoke with police but acknowledged prosecution of Lowe may be unlikely because of the passage of time. And listen to this. Indiana law defines the age of sexual consent at 16. Mm. So that to me was shocking information in this story as well, that a 16-year-old is outside of... That's interesting. I didn't know that. I, yeah. I'm the one who called it statutory rape. Well, so I, I would will, have I would have called it statutory rape back, too. Yeah, but it's it's repulsive and awful, and yeah. all about it. It's abusive. Yeah, and the fact that I I see I know anyway, it doesn't surprise me. Nothing surprises me anymore. But the fact that he got up in front of his congregation and tried to play the victim. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm so sorry. I did this 20 years ago. I have you know. Um, is is maddening. So I, I know I, think I agree. The more these types of because he uh, Nate Gebhardt said they didn't know they were being videoed, so they didn't do this to oh, go okay. viral. Oh, okay, right? okay. Just somebody videoed it, and the fact that this has touched a nerve and of support, but also people going, I understand that story is both sad and encouraging because I do think right, people are starting right. to come out of the woodwork and realize. I'm not alone in this. Like yeah. this isn't just me. Mm-hmm. I'm not alone in this, mm-hmm. and they can go. They can they can kind of move, not move forward. You never fully move forward, right. but they can find that support 
that they need. And hopefully, I mean, yes, there's forgiveness. Yes, there's this. I just hope that the guy who did it just is shamed out of like ever being able to I, be in I public hope, ministry. I hope again. so too, frankly. I hope this yeah. is the end of his ministry career because it is be. absolutely appalling that this took place and it was hidden for so long. According to the article, victim advocates say that sexual activity between uh, by clergy is beyond adultery, which implies consent among equals. They say it amounts to an abuse of power by a spiritual authority. Some denominations, such as the Catholic Church, define clergy sexual abuse as anyone, anything involving a victim under the age of 18. Nate, the husband, said, we are working through love and forgiveness, but people have to be held accountable. And they can't just bamboozle people and say, well, I just committed adultery. It was far beyond adultery. And um, so I, you know, obviously they're processing that. But I think, Brian, the point is that so many people came to support her. And the fact that you said this, you know, this opened the doors now for other people to share their stories. I think that even goes back to the the SBC, um, you know, guidepost results being published publicly is now... Other people who have stories, I think, will find the bravery and the courage and the strength to come forward where maybe they haven't been able to before. And so I do hope all of this is painful and as awful and as, you know, uncomfortable as it makes us. I do hope these criminal behaviors of Absolutely. sexual abuse continue to come out. And like you said, Brian, that these these men and women abusing people in the office, in their office of of pastor like just aren't put back in the pulpit Agreed. like just that go absolutely needs you to be don't need to be you don't need to be in ministry anymore brian i couldn't go another day without talking about my favorite lady across the pond the queen of england and her jubilee celebration did that you took watch place. some of it this i weekend? did watch some of it and there's actually actually some audio i want to share i'm trying to decide if i should do that now we'll do it now because okay. it's really really cute all right uh, one of my favorite moments of the Queen's Jubilee was the Queen having tea with Paddington Bear. Let's go ahead and take a listen. Perhaps you would like a marmalade sandwich. I always keep one for emergencies. So do I. I keep mine in here. Oh. For later. He is about to start, Your Majesty. Happy Jubilee, ma'am. And thank you for everything. That's very kind. I love when she she pulls the marmalade sandwich yes, out of good. her. Oh, so good. And then the, I guess it's the royal band. I don't know. They start playing We Will Rock You. Like, it's just like, oh, so good. I almost started crying. And Paddington Bear says, thank you so much for your service. <laughs> so a couple things from the Queen's Jubilee that stood out. One, did you see the viral clip of uh, Princess Kate and their youngest son, Louis? Where yes. Where he was quite disrespectful oh. to his mom. And so there was all these mom shamers going on. Right. Out there. Come like, on. Like if no, if none of us have ever been in public where our little four year olds didn't cover our mouth when we were talking, I mean, to them. you don't have a four year old if you haven't done that. But right. Literally, I'm looking at this one picture where he's got his thumb on his nose and is like doing that. <laughs> yeah. Like, he was causing, he was causing some scenes, wasn't he? A little he cheeky, was, little cheeky was. guy. But then he also sat on his mom's lap and hugged his mom. Like it was like any four year old. Yeah. 
Am I allowed to celebrate at this moment? I know. You've got some feelings about something that happened. I Go for it. Ryan. Anybody for who's it. listened to us talk about the royal family before knows <laughs> that I do not have good thoughts about Meghan Markle and Prince yes, Harry. Yes, you are not fans. And tell the people why you're not a fan. Because they turned their back on the royal family and it was in a narcissistic type of way. We're going to go to America and make all this money. We're going to do movies. They just... They really looked, it felt like they were trying to tear down the royal family. Yeah. It just felt, I, I should be more serious, because it felt odd, and it felt painful. Yeah. Uh, airing dirty laundry of a family. Now it appears like he has very little, if any, relationship know, with his father so and his brother. So this weekend, Harry and Meghan were there, and... I felt like they got what they kind of deserved. Their brother, yeah, they got sat food on, and stuff, well, right? They sat on different sides of the church. To yeah. The and then when they came out, they got booed. I'm shocked that they got booed, frankly. I thought they, I don't like, I'm going to sound like one of these, you know, royal family commentators. I thought <laughs> they deserved it. Yeah. And so they got booed. And now there's pictures today of them having left the Queen's Jubilee already back in the States. They left early. And one of the paparazzi got a shot of him, th- like, in their car being driven. He looks miserable. <gasps> like, really? I do, I, if this were a happy Hollywood story, he's going to have a moment of reckoning here mm. of going, I've really messed up here, mm. and I want to make things better. I'm sure that's not going to happen. Do you th- do you think Megan and Harry Meghan make Markle. it? Do you, <laughs> do you think they make it? Uh, I would like to think so. You know, they yeah. have kids and stuff. Yeah. It does feel like, Aubrey, I wonder if there is coming a day where all that's happened with his family of origin is just too much. And he sits back regretful. Yeah. And p- places that regret upon his wife. Right, right. You can I, sort of see the writing on the wall so there a little I bit. I actually hope they make it. You yeah. can see the reasons they may not. Yeah. Uh, because his family's in shambles. It's just in yeah. shambles. And everybody else in the family seemed to be having a great time this weekend. And so I felt a little bit of pleasure when so they got So defenders of Meghan and Harry say that they were meticulously excluded from almost all of the events, except for the Queen's official birthday celebrations oh, on Thursday did. and Friday. Are I read you... that they turned down an invitation to spend some time with family over dessert. Okay. And here's my deal. This has always been my deal with yeah. Meghan and Harry. Yeah. You are the ones who asked out of the royal family. That's true. You That's are the ones who yeah. said, we're too good for this. Right. Or we don't want this. Right. You're the ones who moved. So, no, you shouldn't be then allowed anywhere that at all is part of the royal family. Yeah. I hope you can reconnect with your family. Yeah. But to be like, well, we should have been allowed on the balcony. No, you should not. There's let's some truth have, to that, Brian. Let's have yeah. a grand talk about life here. Yeah. There are things we call consequences to your actions. Yeah. They are facing the consequences of their actions, and I hope that the bridges are being able to be mended. But I hear that a lot of people sometimes, you know, Aubrey, mm. I, I probably think it in my own life. Yeah. Like, oh, you're wronging me. No, I'm not. You made a decision, yeah. and there's consequences yeah. to your decisions. I've had to face those consequences in my yeah. own life. People that I've been close with have had to face and quite frankly, on a grand stage yeah. here, they're facing the I actually totally agree with you on that, but I do have more compassion for them because I do think the way that Megan was being attacked by their version of the paparazzi was so horrendous and so evil and so racist. And he'd been through trauma like that with his mom, who was eventually killed for that reason. I don't blame him for standing up for his wife and moving on to something else. Then I really don't. Then here's what I would suggest. Yeah. Then stop putting yourself in the limelight. Yeah, okay. Stop okay. trying to make movies in America. But that's stop how they're going to make their to money. Go, stop trying to go on talk shows where then you complain about the people okay. who won't leave okay. you alone. Okay. You know what? 
Go get a job. Like live a simple life where there's That's no paparazzi. That's what you're saying you want. Okay. So okay. go live a simple life. Yeah. I think they're. Just I think they're t- saying the American paparazzi are nicer than the think British. They, I think they're attention hounds and they yeah. just want it. Yeah. You, you're, Brian is really angry about this. I wish you guys could see his face. I, I also think this is me psychoanalyzing. And I, you wanted to get to a happy part of this. So I do. There's a, another really cute story I want to share. But go I will ahead. I'll close it at this. Okay. I think Meghan Markle kind of uh, is. She's your Yoko Ono. I think that this is kind yeah. of, uh, this This w- shouldn't be a surprise. Yeah. I think yeah. this was You're a not little a fan. bit of the intention. You're not a fan. There you go. Okay. Wow. Brian's got strong feelings about Meghan Markle. I do. There's a lot of people who just don't care, but you are passionate about this. I All want right. families to be families. I just want Queen Elizabeth and Paddington Bear to give me more content online because <laughs> that made me really happy. Okay, Brian, this is a ver- another, like out of England, out of London, another very cute story, not connected to the Queen at all. Um, and this is actually a story from like 2013, but it's recircled on social media for some reason. I'm not sure why it's been revisited. Maybe it's happening again, but let me let me just read it to you. In London, there's a woman who goes every day on the subway and sits on the dock to just listen to the announcement recorded by her husband in 1950. Oh. So her husband, Oswald Lawrence, was the one who said the famous mind the gap originally, that statement. Um, and so... Uh, He's mind the gap attention, which is like pay attention to the space between the train and the dock. Right. He was an actor, but he died in 2003, leaving a huge void in Margaret's heart. And so she found a way to feel his presence. And that would be to go sit in the subway and listen to his voice repeating mind the gap. But from uh, a, a little bit later, his voice was replaced by an electric recording. And so out of distress, Margaret asked to have a copy of the cassette okay. tape that they used at the time. But knowing the history, apparently what they did, they did give her the cassette tape. But then at the stop near where she lives, it's the only stop apparently still in England, they still play his voice um, saying mind the gap so she can go to her own stop and still hear her husband's voice isn't that sweet that's a sweet story yeah i feel like if i were to this is dark but if i were to pass away uh much earlier than my wife i hope she'd go back and listen to podcasts of the yeah just to hear your voice yeah you don't think she would i bet she would would. does your wife have something on recording that you can listen because i could listen to kevin's sermons and he can listen to my stuff i better start recording yeah you gotta get her to do something there's videos and stuff around but i just have her read stories about Meghan markle for you that you can (laughs) (laughs) revisit in a few years from now (laughs) 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 all right well thanks so much for joining us today we'll be back again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life.